Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, August the 16th, and we're continuing to look at Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. You know, the first week we said that we've we've been adopted by God through Jesus Christ, that phrase in Christ recurring over and over again throughout the book, but especially Ephesians chapter one and verses four through nine, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely lavished on us and the one he loves. And then last week we said that because of this adoption, we were once outsiders, but we're now insiders with God's chosen people. Because of Jesus, in Christ, we become part of, of the chosen in Ephesians chapter two, verses 12 through 13 and verse 19 reads, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers or aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of the household. So we continue this week looking at Ephesians, this week, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It begins with an action, with a posture. You see, we, we humble ourselves before God. We get down on our knees. And this way, our faith is embodied. Paul has, has spoken for two and a half chapters about the power, providence, grace, and the glory of God. And we understand God's reconciliation in Jesus Christ is both accomplished and yet to be completed. It's a mystery that we comprehend only in part. And yet it moves us to thanksgiving, to praise, to worship. So therefore, we, we bow. And to be clear, this is not my nature. It's not our nature, if we're honest. You see, I, I we, we want to be respected. We wish to be acknowledged. We yearn to be honored, to adored, to bow before something or someone goes against the grain of all our temperaments. Yet here we find ourselves in the presence of the holy. This one 
whom we bow is the Father, from whom every name in heaven and on earth takes its name. You see, many of the New Testament letters that Paul wrote speak of church conflict, of congregational conflicts, leaders are named, situations identified. And we feel like we know the churches at Corinth and Philippi. But Ephesians is sort of a different letter. It, it reminds us that God is not only attentive to local matters, to the church, small c, very personal, but that God is also interested in the world, the planet, church, big C. So for that reason, we, we bow in humility before a holy God. We confess, I confess, our small part, my small part in the big grand scheme of things. We say, along with John the Baptist, he must increase, but I must decrease. John chapter 3, verse 30. We sing old praise choruses. Remember that old song for awesome God. Our speech and, and our singing find its way through our bodies, and we discover that we are on our knees, figuratively and quite literally, before a holy God. Which brings up a great question. When was the last time we were on our knees? When was the last time I was on my knees? Because you see, on our knees, on my knees, we find ourselves returning to the source. Sometimes we pray for others. Sometimes we pray for ourselves. And Ephesians reminds us that I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power throughout his spirit. Paul writes, you see, we sometimes find ourselves on our knees because we come to the end of our own power, our own strength. I find myself on my knees because I am at the end of myself and I confess that I need something more, something much more. A little modern day parable. So a young pastor serves a rural community, not unlike Avery County. And one of the patriarchs of the congregation is a farmer. Wise, powerful among his neighbors, respected. Along the way, the pastor comes into conflict with the patriarch and communication becomes difficult. The pastor makes a point on occasion to, to drive out to the farmer's home to keep the conversation going. The visits are never easy. There are always long silences and nothing tangible, nothing palpable seems to be accomplished. As the pastor approaches the farm, he reads a sign that becomes a reminder to him. Pavement ends. When the pavement ends, the road becomes rough. When the pavement ends, the turbulence is greater. When the pavement ends, we depend on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Can you think of a time in your life when the pavement ended? A bit of a rhetorical question and a bit ironic, isn't it? Perhaps a global pandemic was the pavement ending event in your life. A financial crisis, a family tragedy, a church conflict, a health issue problem with your kids, loneliness, isolation, 
when the pavement ends, you see, I am forced to do things differently. We open ourselves up to Jesus, who we discover has already been reaching out to us. Nothing takes him by surprise. The gift is is like a, a granting of riches, which we had not known about or perhaps I had forgotten. It's like an inheritance just sitting there that I ignored. And that gift strengthens us in my innermost being and with power, and we are encouraged and we are supported and we are uplifted. The situation and the circumstance does not change or may not change. But this humility, this this newfoundness connects us with the uplifting power of a holy God. And as we become more grounded, as I become more grounded, I become more able to rise up and walk in the words of Jesus, Luke 5, 23. In some Christian traditions, it's often noted that the deadliest of sins is pride. Pride is, is my inability to ask for help. Pride is my refusal to accept a gift. Pride is, in short, my rejection of God saying to him, no thanks. I got it. I know best. I know what I need. I know what I want. And I know how to get it. But the removal of pride makes space for something else, something greater. I pray, Paul writes, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you are being rooted and grounded in love. You see, Christ takes the place of pride in my life. The love of self gives way to the love of God and then neighbors and then others. The illusion of wanting to be in control is replaced by the image of the one who loved us and gave himself for us, Galatians 2.20. My arrogance of desiring first place all the time is corrected by the great reversal of the gospel where the last are now first. In my pride, I might be tempted to, to drive at full speed even when the pavement ends. In my pride, I reject the natural limits and the natural boundaries that shape my life. But in love, in God-given love, I give thanks for circumstances that ground me. In love, I praise God for the creation and my place in it. Because it's intimate. It's personal. In my pride, I claim more knowledge than I actually possess. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. But in humility, I stand, we stand before mystery. Paul continues, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Wow. So we bow finally before a mystery. God creates, he redeems, he sustains, and he sanctifies the world. And as I, as we become more grounded, more humble, Jesus draws us near. We become, or we we come, excuse me, before a holy God in prayer and in worship and in adoration and praise. And we ask for the knowledge to comprehend in part the riches of this magic, majestic and this holy God. And in even beyond such knowledge, It surpasses that knowledge. We pray for the gift of love because, you see, we love 
because God first loved us, 1 John 4.19. So we bow. We bow on our knees, grateful for the gift. So may my life, may our lives be a living doxology with the words at the end of chapter 3. Now to God, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all of us can ask or even imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations and everywhere, forever and ever. Amen. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled through the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Until we are together again, beloved, may God hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. And God bless.